Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. This week we're going to tackle the second of the two letters that Paul wrote to Corinth. And if you missed last week, then all you need to know about Corinth is if you take uh, Las Vegas, New York, and L.A. and all of the stereotypes that are connected to those cities and mash them up together, that's kind of Corinth in the ancient world. So it was a pretty messed up place. But these people in this church were trying hard. They were trying hard to stay faithful. They were still keeping their friendships alive so that they could preach the gospel to people, but they weren't allowing themselves to fall into the old temptations and traps that they used to. And this was costing them. It was costing them some friends. It was costing them family. People were making fun of them. It was costing them some business. In that world, if somebody doesn't really know if they can kind of connect with you, then there's a likely chance that you're going to have less income, less money, less food on the table. And so this was happening to these Jesus followers in Corinth, and they're struggling with it. They're struggling with the fact that now they're suffering because of their commitment to Jesus. And to be honest, it's causing them to question Paul a little bit. In particular, because what happened in between these letters is it seems like some other leaders have come in and they're talking trash about Paul. I mean, that guy's always getting beat up. He's always getting in trouble. How do you even think he's somebody that you should follow? You should follow us, right? You should, you should, you should try to be like us and you'll have a successful life. And so they were preaching all this stuff that was kind of attractive. And some of the people in Corinth were going, well, I mean, maybe kind of has a point. And so Paul writes Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, to remind them. He basically says, listen, I get it. This is difficult. But let's not forget about the fact that we follow this guy, Jesus, whose life ended on a Roman cross. That we should not expect our lives just to be strawberries in Disneyland. We should not expect that things are going to be easy for us. But he encouraged them, said, you can hold on. You can press forward. You can stay the course because we know that just as suffering led to resurrection for Jesus, the same is going to be true for us. So 2 Corinthians is a letter that is written to people who are struggling to keep their connection to Jesus because in some ways it's making their lives harder. So... Lean in and listen as we talk about how in this letter Paul reminds us that we know we belong to Jesus. And therefore, no matter what's going on around us, we too can press on as his ambassadors in our world. All right, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to 2 Corinthians. We'll be in the fifth chapter. And we're starting in verse 16. But you know, before we start, there's a... Verse 16 starts out, From now on, therefore, which if you're familiar with that kind of language, basically what that's like is if you walk into a conversation that's already happening. You ever been there before? You know, you got your two friends who are talking about something which is just so funny. But you walk in about halfway through it, and they continue to talk, and you continue to stand there like, you know what's going on, you know, and they're laughing hysterically, and you're doing that. <laughs> Thing, right? Yep, he woke up. Um, so what I want to do is I don't want to come in in the middle of a conversation. We don't want to start with 
verse 16, we want to back up a bit. Um, and, and actually, if you put it on the screen, you guys already know this one. So let's go ahead and stand up. We, we did this one last semester, correct? This was when we memorized that, or was that like last spring? It was a while ago. Stand up for me, and let's go ahead and read this together. In three, two, one, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Awesome, you can sit down. And I will continue. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That is a a worldly standard. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That theme of new creation is something that um, has been hard for people to understand for a while. Uh, In fact, if you'll turn over to John chapter 3, verse 16, there's a story of this guy named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee. He was one of the smart guys, right? He was one of the guys who knew about what God had said in his scriptures. He was a learned man. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the teachers of the law, they had a few run-ins with Jesus. You know, they they tried to catch Jesus in um, lies. They tried to ask Jesus questions that maybe they thought he couldn't answer or put him in a, a way that he couldn't answer in the way that most people would like. For him to answer. And so they all, they had this kind of a weird relationship. So it says in, in chapter three, verse one, it says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Yeah, Joe, you have a question? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, no, that's, um, thank you for bringing that up, Joe, because that's exactly what Nicodemus said, minus the, the Star Wars reference. That wasn't part of it. Um, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Um, no. 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 That can't happen. Um, let me tell you, my wife and I, we've been married going on 12 years. Judah is our first, he's our son, he's 10 years old. And so, uh, we got married early. We were on one of those Christian college plans and, uh, (laughs) we got married early. And so, uh, we also got pregnant fairly early on in marriage. And so, uh, I didn't know anything about birth. I was normal back then. Um, they take you into these rooms and they show you videos of what it's supposed to be like. And they set it to background music that is like enjoyable, you know, like 
I don't know, some kind of fluffy unicorns and, you know, things like that. And so you see these videos of what birth is going to be like. And I want to tell you right now today, it's not. It's not like that at all. Megan um, had a C-section. And uh, they also showed me a video of that beforehand. That was the first time I passed out. (laughs) And uh, so they're preparing us. Megan's in there and they're giving her all the drugs and all that stuff and prepping the room. They give me um, some pretty sweet, you know, uh, scrubs to wear and a face mask, which is awesome. And uh, so I walk in and my wife's laid out on the table. And, uh, and they start doing that. And um, whew, I got to tell you, I was 11 pounds, six and a half ounces when I was born. So I was large and in charge. And um, so they thought... Yep, that's a beard. Um, they thought that Judah was going to be ginormous as well. So uh, the, <laughs> the doctor takes the scalpel and she makes the incision. And then she goes, oh, okay. And she makes a little bit further incision. And you know, in the video they show you, it's like, make a cut and then pull the baby out, and then the baby's like, beautiful, and everything is so pretty, and there's no blood. Why would there be blood? You're just like cutting into a person's body. <laughs> they, she cut into to Megan, and it was the most violent thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I'm not joking. There was a nurse on one side. You could probably attest to this. There was a nurse on one side pulling my wife's body apart like a Pez dispenser. The other one is on the other side, like pushing hardcore on her. And then the, the, the doctor's like reaching down in there and she's grunting. Like this was difficult for her. There goes his head. His head had popped out of her stomach and she paused probably 10 seconds or so just for me to have that lasting impression of my son's head coming out of my wife's stomach. Then she, uh, she grabbed the shoulders, boom, arm comes out, other arm comes out. They pulled him out. It was awesome. Um, it was violent, guys. It was violent. So when Jesus says you must be born again, Nicodemus is like, wait, what? Like, no, 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 no. I did that once. I'm not about to do that again. But Jesus continues on and he says this. He says, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When we talk about new creation, um, it's not exactly like childbirth. But it's not completely different. You know, let me make three points here. I would say, let me liken... This new creation theme, becoming a new creation, to the process of birth. A lot cleaner version of that. If you look, in, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5.16, it talks about becoming a new creation. And if you think about... A child, like Asher, a child starts out 
and they are conceived. You know what that means? Good. Let's skip it. Um, they're conceived, right? Then there's a point of uh, like a gestational period. It's where the, the child is growing. The, uh, the lungs are being developed. Um, there's, there's hands that are growing, right? The brain is starting to, to be formed and to work. And this is all in preparation for birth, right? So when you think of a new creation, let's think of it this way. You were made in God's image. You were conceived by our creator, made in God's image, right? And then there's a point of, of gestational period of, of growth, of preparation, where the Holy Spirit starts working on your life. We have record of that because in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says this. When the people heard this, not heard this, but when they heard it, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do to be saved? There was a time during the, the day of Pentecost where Peter is teaching and he's speaking about all the things that Jesus did. And it says that people responded and they were cut to the heart. There was a time that the Holy Spirit was working on them in their lives, and they were cut to the heart, and they said, what must we do to be saved? There's another time where Paul is in prison. Go ahead and show that one. And the jailer, there's a big earthquake. You heard the story? Giant earthquake, all the walls fall down. The jailer who's responsible for every inmate in there is like, oh, oh no. Like he's, he's thinking about killing himself. Because he is responsible for every single one of these inmates. And he's worried that Paul's going to run off. Paul instead stays. He's been sharing the gospel. He's been singing hymns to his Savior. And it says, The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. There's more. 1629. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundation, here we go, 29. Sorry. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, trembling with fear, and fell down before Paul and Cyrus, Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? He was cut to the heart. Then you have, go back to the story of Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, what would water be in that? When Jesus is saying, unless one is born of water, what do you think that would be? What is he pointing to there? We're getting ready to have a big splash, right? Baptism, right? And Spirit, what's Spirit. Jesus had already established prior to that that we're no, ta- we're no longer talking about the flesh, the world. We're talking about my kingdom, my world, the spirit. So Jesus says, unless you are born of water, baptism, and unless you're born of the spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. Birth, baptism, right? In Romans... 
chapter 6, verse 4. It says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That points to baptism. That points to a new birth, a new life. And just like at that moment when God says, hey, the baby's ready, it's time to be born, you're transformed into something new. The last part is the nourishment and the growth that happens in a child's life, in a baby's life. This is Asher. Asher Barnes, his parents are back there. Asher was born June 15th of last year, and Asher was born five weeks early, right? Five weeks early. Had a good pregnancy, no issues. Had a good birth, went quick. But he was born five weeks early, and he ended up staying in the NICU for, what was it, 31 days? 31 days he was in the NICU, where he had to rely on nurses to feed him. He had to rely on machines to breathe for him. He had to rely on a machine to keep his temperature up just to survive. It didn't stop with birth for him. And in the same way, when you become a new creation, you're not stopping with baptism. You're continuing to grow. You're continuing to be nourished. We call it discipleship, right? The work of God is not done in you once you become that new creation. You know, I hear a lot of times um, people struggle when they get baptized. Understanding and realizing, when they come to the realization that like, when you get baptized, sin doesn't just stop, right? You still have the same struggles. It, would anybody say that? You get baptized, I'm still struggling, man. I'm still struggling with this. I get baptized, I'm still sinning. What is going on here? Asher wasn't born an adult, <laughs> you know? He still had to rely on, still relies on his parents to continue to nourish, to continue to grow him to where he's self-sustaining. And the Holy Spirit continues to do that in our lives as well. I know a lot of people struggle with that. Um, I was listening to a pastor a few weeks ago, and uh, he was talking about this girl who had just become a Christian, and she was struggling. She was struggling with the fact that she still, um, it's, it wasn't easy. She still struggled with sin. She still was having problems with the same things that she dealt with prior to her, her baptism prior to becoming a new creation. And she, she said to him, I feel like God is disappointed in me. Have you ever felt that before? You ever promise God something, then turn around like 24 hours later, you break that promise? She felt like God was disappointed in her. And this pastor replied, he said, you know, when you... When you're disappointed in someone, it's because you expected a different result, right? I'm disappointed in you because I expected a different result. 
I'm disappointed in you because I thought you would do something different. I thought you'd be better than that. And that's not the way that God does things. I mean, you're talking about the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe. You don't think he knew what you were going to do? You don't think that he was willing to die for what you did, what you do, and what you will do? That's another thing that she struggled with. She said, well, I can understand how God would, would die for me and, and, and he would forgive my sins, the sins that I did, up until the point that I chose to follow him. But I, how did, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can believe that he would forgive my sins now, that he would stick with me this long. And the pastor said something that um, has really resonated with me. It was pretty cool. He said, how many of your sins were in the future when Jesus chose to die on the cross? It's all of them. It's all of them. So there's, there's a, a, a process of continuing to grow. And we're continuing to be nourished by the Holy Spirit. We're continuing to be nourished through discipleship. We're continuing to be nourished by not giving up the habit of meeting together by having good people around us that love us and are willing to do life with us. There's still that. And, and we go back to 2 Corinthians, and Paul says just as much. He says in verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This theme of being an ambassador, how many of you, thank you, bless you, that was awesome. How many of you um, have heard someone say, okay, I get it, I've made the decision to follow Christ, I got baptized, that's awesome, but this is for me. I'm not going to share it with anybody, I'm not talking to my friends about it. I don't want to be that pushy person standing on the street corner with a Bible yelling at people, right? You ever hear that? God calls us, and Paul says, that if you are a new creation, if you are in Christ and you are a new creation, then you become an ambassador of Christ. So maybe the issue is our understanding of what an ambassador is. We got a definition for ambassador? An ambassador is a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity. When you go to your school and you are an ambassador of Christ, you are a representative. Put that up there again real quick. Other one? There you go. You're a representative or a promoter of a spe specified activity. That is different than the next slide, which is a zealot. There we go. A person who is fanatical and uncompromising in pursuit of their religious, political, or other ideals. Paul's not saying if you are in Christ, you become a new creation. And if you're a new creation, you need to stand on a street corner and yell at people until they listen. He's saying you 
are to be an ambassador. You're to be a representative. And that doesn't always mean words, right? Man. I think of a guy named Phil Metzger said, they must know how much you care before they care how much you know. That means that you're not supposed to go into your cafeteria and stand on a table and start preaching the gospel. You're supposed to be in your classroom. You're supposed to be on the football field. You're supposed to be in your dance studio or whatever it's called. Living out the gospel. Living out the gospel. And what's cool is when you become an ambassador of Christ, you're doing the same thing as when he grows up. And he's been, he's been through the process. He's been through conception. And he's been through gestation. And he's been through birth. And he's been through nourishment and growth. And then the cycle starts over again. And he finds a lady friend. And he marries her. And he has kids of his own. When you become a new creation and you respond as an ambassador, you become part of someone else's gestational story. You become a part of someone else's story where the Holy Spirit is working through you and and is speaking through you and and now you get to see those people that you love, the people that you've been living out the gospel in front of, the people that you've walked along with respond and be born as a new creation. It's something we get to do. It's something we're told to do. It's a responsibility and it's a privilege to be an ambassador for Christ. I don't know where you guys are. You might be someone that, uh, that's still figuring it out. That's still trying to say, you know, I get it. I understand a few things, but man, I feel like I need to clean up a bit before I'm born. Or maybe you're someone who has become a new creation and you're looking at it and you're, you're dealing with the feeling of not measuring up. You're still, you're still dealing with sin. You still struggle thinking that God is God's disappointed in you. We've got people at the back table that are ready to pray with you wherever you're at. You know, the cool thing is that throughout that entire process, our Lord and Savior is willing. He's working and he's loving. It's pretty stinking cool. Let's pray. Dad, we, we thank you 
We thank you that you've called us to become new. That you're not okay with us just just being born once. That you've known us before we were born. That you loved us before we were born. That you knew the things that we were going to do and you're not disappointed. God, I pray that you would just continue to give us the opportunities to love and to become ambassadors of your word, of your love to our friends. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.